0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're we're here for another episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. We got the coffee out. It's hot in this cold garage. The sword's in front of us, and it's sharp. I'm sitting across the table from Dylan Brown. Dylan, what's going on today? Ready to tackle
1: a new series, some uh, deep, or what I think are deep doctrines. Maybe you're uh, further up on the food chain in, in the Bible student world, but I think for most people, um, we're going to start looking at some things that they've either never heard, they've heard as heresy, you know, whatever. But we're going to start looking at some of those things. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. This is kind of where, I mean, not that we don't study or look over things for evangelism, but this is kind of where we really get into the nitty-gritty of uh, utilizing our rules of Bible study and just studying the Scriptures. So I'm looking forward to, to making that happen and all this. Yes.
0: And I'll I'll preface this episode with, this may be a hot topic. I don't know. Some people agree with it. Some people disagree. It is what it is. But uh, either way, it's nothing to to split hairs over, argue about. the The mm-hmm. mission is still the same, regardless of, of what regardless you
1: of whether you're a good Bible student <laughs> or a bad one. Yeah. The mission is still the same. <laughs> That's all right, right. praise the <laughs> Lord. That's right. <laughs> with all due uh, respect, of course.
0: Yes. So today we'll be all the way back to the beginning of our beginning of our Bible, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. Amen. Um, we'll so read this, the whole book of Genesis in this episode, right. so we get ready. We're going verse by verse <laughs> through Genesis. Uh, but no, so this one, uh, I assume it'll be titled something like The Gap. Um, but we'll be we'll be breaking down this this gap of time we believe there is in, in these first couple verses here.
1: Yeah, and I'll say that... You know, we know some people that listen to these this podcast um, just from, you know, certain friends and <clears throat> family and people at our churches and uh, stuff like that. But as far as the majority, we actually don't know who listens to this. And so, I mean, unless like the same people are taking different iPhones and listening to it, you know. 30 different times on a different iPhone on, on the Thursdays we dropped this. You know, we, we don't know majority of you. And so, uh, you know, really the goal in this is always to, uh, to call you to your own study and to drive you to the word of God. Even if you disagree with us on something, I, now, I, like I said, I, I believe wholeheartedly we can prove this. And it's, uh, we don't have all the answers, but I, th- I think this is actually very simple, uh, to prove. It's a crazy doctrine, but it's simple to prove. Um, but like I said, if if this drives you to the Word of God uh, and to study, um, then then we would say praise the Lord. And we've we've kind of laid out from day one. You know, everybody's certainly willing to listen. We'll take anybody. We'll take lost people listening. Uh, but it, you know, if I'm just being honest, like I I would expect, I would suspect that this po- that our podcast is not for the person that just shows up on Sunday morning to to check off the box and then doesn't read their Bible throughout the week, like. This is for somebody that actually wants to study the scriptures. Uh, this is for somebody that, you know, doesn't just want the flannel, the flannel graph, uh, eight year old Sunday school lesson, which, hey, praise God for those at that age. Um, but somebody that, this is for somebody that, you know, they're a little further along or want to be further along in their own study, and, uh, they just, they just desire to know the truth in a deeper way. So that's what we want to do, and in, in not just this episode, but, uh, really in all of this series. Um, and when I say series, we obviously don't group these together. Um, like in certain, uh, sections like on YouTube or the podcast platforms, but you know, we kind of let you know what we're looking to do and kind of what we're, uh, how we're scoping out our next several episodes. And so I made comment and mentioned back a few episodes ago that we're going to start this new approach and we have where we're going to, we're going to flip from deep things to, to simple things. Uh, and I believe everything, even the simple, even even the deep things, will have devotional application to our lives here and now. And we'll do that even even today with the gap, as crazy as that is. Um, but we do want to stay balanced because Proverbs 18:1 says that uh, a false art uh, that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. So we want to be balanced. like there's people, there's people that are uh, super, you know, it's all about salvation. We don't care about nothing else. We don't care about discipleship. We don't care about saying the word of God, just go out and preach the gospel. Like we, we don't want to be that guy, but we also don't want to be the, of a mindset of a critical spirit, like a college, like a Christian college professor that sits in his room and just studies, but it, but actually doesn't do anything for the cause of Christ. So we want to be balanced. And so, um, that's what we've, we've sought to do, but You know, as we kind of dive into this deep stuff, I don't. Maybe you, maybe you're one of the ones that likes the simple things, and that's certainly fine. We all probably have our tendencies. Um, Although I will say, it's probably not most of you, based on again, the downloads we get based on the subject. Normally, we get more on the crazy things, or the deeper things, or the controversial things, or whatever. And I guess that's kind of expected to to be like that. Um, But You know, nobody in in their Christian walk is ever called to stay on the milk. Again, the milk's important. I read you that reference several weeks ago in Hebrews thirteen, which says, "Don't be caught up with strange doctrines." But you know, sometimes that milk is necessary. The simple things in our life are super necessary. If we're never changing and we're never adding virtue to the word of to what the word of God says about our life, then we're we're not growing. Um, But at the same token. If I'm only staying on milk for my whole life, well, then God has wasted a lot of words and a lot of pages of Scripture for nothing if if it doesn't, you know, if it has no purpose in my life, even though it's a little crazy or a little deep. We know that God doesn't waste space. Every word of God is pure. And so we want to tackle both of them in every angle uh, until we've hit 5,000 episodes and we've tackled everything from the Word of God which I'm, I'm kidding because that'll never happen. But that that's what we want to do. We just want to keep going at that angle. So uh, Hebrews 5, I'm going to read this verse kind of just to give us, again, that mindset of an, a balanced approach. Um, and then Kyle's going to read a verse here in a moment to kind of kick us off into the the uh, the study of the gap. Okay, so Hebrews 5, verse 13 says, For everyone that useth milk... Okay, let me start with 12. Hebrews 5, 12. For, uh, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Okay, so there are people that they don't need milk. They need, I mean, I'm sorry, they don't need meat. They need milk. And they need milk because they haven't obeyed what the, what the milk, they don't know the milk of the word of God, and they haven't obeyed it, they haven't applied virtue. Okay, but then verse 13 says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of God, uh, or is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So you think of 1 Corinthians 3 1, where Paul tells the church of Corinth that they're babes in Christ. Okay, in other words, they are born again because they're a babe in Christ, in Christ meaning saved, they're in the body, Um, but they're a babe, they haven't grown. And so that person is still, I mean, they're still weaning off the breasts. And they're normally weaning, weird analogy, but it's just the way it is. They're weaning off the breasts of other people, needing that other person to give them milk because they just don't know how to study it for themselves. They haven't learned those kind of things. Um, But clearly from Hebrews 5.13, that person is a babe uh, and they're unskillful, which is okay to start there. You just don't want to live your whole Christian life there. But then verse 14, it says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of, of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, so strong meat is profitable and is in here for a reason. And I've repeated that several times already. But that's, you know, so again, I don't want you to take the mindset that, okay, this is not like super Monday morning devotion-like for my life. I'm not going to listen to it. You know, it's a waste of time. Okay, well, again, uh, all of Scripture is given, uh, is, is given by inspiration for doctrine for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. And that's all Scripture. So even in something like this, we can have instruction in righteousness, and I think we will. So, uh, like Kyle said, we don't call this the gap theory. We don't call it the gap theory because we don't think it's a theory. Theory means, I actually don't know the definition of theory, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure it means something like maybe so, maybe not. (laughs) And we don't say maybe so, maybe not. We say it is so. And so uh, we'll, we're just going to try to break that down. So Kyle, maybe, maybe you can start with those references we mentioned yeah. and uh, kick off with those.
0: Yeah, before we dive into the gap, because uh, when you first just open your Bible to chapter one and you're reading these first few verses, I mean, you may say, I don't, I don't really see anything there. It's just, just God speaking and things are being created. Um, but really quick, Proverbs chapter 25, verse two, it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is it to search out a matter. And these kings, if you flip over to Revelation chapter 1, John to the seven churches right here, down to verse 6, it says, Revelation 1, 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So so what does it say? There's some things in in this book in front of us that, that God has concealed. And it's Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. And it's it's up to us to, to search out the matter.
1: Yeah, and it actually glorifies him. Yeah. Like he okay, so we talk about <clears throat> discipleship, um, and like that's a popular word, and we even mention that in the, the mission stuff with evangelism. Um, you know, we talk about being a follower of Christ, all those things. Well, really the word disciple. Like, there's a lot of things that make you a disciple or don't make you a disciple. Luke 14 is a good place for that. But really, a disciple is a, is a, a learner. It's a student. So, I guess I try to say this a lot to certain people at my church. Like, I mentioned we have a one-on-one discipleship ministry of, of 18 lessons and, you know, that kind of thing. If somebody makes it through the 18 lessons of discipleship, like, they've checked all the boxes— but then they're still at the when they finish it they're just not really a student of the word they're just kind of like ah just kind of you know read my 10 verses in the morning check off the box and we're good well like you know they they're just they're not really a biblical disciple and so it is it's just this, it's the way God works he gives some things cold turkey clean and easy easy to find in scripture i mean you go to the new testament and eternal life just jumps off the pages book of romans it shows up all over the place the, um, you know the blood atonement death of christ all those things you, you just don't have to have a lot of deep study to find those things They're just there um, but like like Kyle read it, it there are some things that God doesn't just give as a as a, a change up right across the plate you know uh, right over the middle of the plate that's an easy home run pitch he doesn't do that with everything and it's because he actually wants us to have to study he wants us, like Proverbs 2 talks about us, the, the, the way that we'll actually fear the Lord and have the knowledge of God is by seeking this book as silver. So it's me going into it and, and being desperate for it and being desirous of it and actually coming to the Lord in prayer as I, see, as I, as I search the scriptures and asking the Spirit of God to teach me and, and studying it. And the reason most people don't do that and don't study it is because Ecclesiastes says that study is actually weariness to the flesh. It does take work. And let's just be honest, most most of us don't like work. I don't like work. If I can, if I can go to work or prop my feet up on the beach, I'm going to choose the beach. And so, um, but it's just the way God works. And so that's why 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, study to show thyself approved. And it talks about a workman which needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we, we've mentioned this before in past, but how I will be uh, shown before the Lord the judgment seat, whether I'm approved or not, and I'm not talking about approved into heaven or, or not. Once you're at the judgment seat, that means you, you're saved and you're going. But whether I'm approved as far as what my life has, has been given to, a lot of that has to do with how I've what I've done with this book and how I've studied it or how I have not studied it and how I've rightly divided it and how I have not. And so, um, that's exactly what that verse is, is referencing with Kyle there is, that he read is, you know, God does conceal things on purpose. It doesn't mean he doesn't want us to figure them out, but he doesn't want, he wants a, He wants a little bit of digging and he just finds glory in that. According to that verse, if we're going to believe the, the Bible.
0: Yeah. I was, I was looking at Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine to go with that search out of thing and him concealing things. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. That's yeah. studying. Absolutely. Doing the words of the law.
1: Yeah. And so Kyle made the, the comment that, and I've, I've had people, you know, heard people say this, but that in Genesis chapter 1, the reason they don't believe the gap. So essentially. When we say the gap, that's what that's what people call it. Whatever you know, call it whatever you want. I don't care. But um, what we're essentially saying is that there is a gap in time from verse one to verse two. Um, now I will say this: we are six. We are. We do believe in a six a literal six day creation. It's just that we believe the six literal days are from verse two to verse. You know, the rest of the chapter. Um, so there's a, a reference, uh, forget exactly where it's at, but it talks, it's, it's in Exodus or numbers or something like that, but talks about the six days of creation. Okay. And, and people will try to use that to disprove the gap. Well, we believe in a six day literal creation. I mean, it literally says, this is the first day. Yeah. This is the se- I, We get it. Like it ain't. I mean, that, like we, 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 can see that. Um, but what we're saying is something uh, takes place in between verse 1 and verse 2. And what many people, what I was getting at is, many people will say, well, it doesn't say that, so I don't believe that. You know, you're adding to or, or whatever. We're adding to scripture, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, like Kyle said, sometimes God doesn't give it up as a softball over the middle of the plate. And so I'll remind you of this text in 1 Corinthians 2. We've mentioned this before, but uh, verse 10 said it talks about the context is the wisdom of God. And verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Okay. <clears throat> so we see that the Spirit is who reveals certain things. And we're talking about God's wisdom, which is contained in his word. The Spirit is what reveals that to us. And he it's even those revealings of the Spirit are even connected to the deep things of God. Okay, so we would say some of these things we're about to get into, this is some deep things. Okay, verse, uh, verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Okay, verse 13. So if I want to know the deep things, based on verse 10, the deep things come from being revealed to me by the spirit of God. Okay, so then like, what, so what does that mean? Does that just mean I wake up at 4 a.m. or 3, 3 a.m. one night and God's like, Dylan, this is what the gap is. You know, that's not, we don't believe that. It's weird. So how does the Spirit reveal things to me? Well, verse 13 <clears throat> tells us how the Spirit teaches. And it's, again, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, if you're you know, kind of logging these references. But it says, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. So in other words, man, our, our natural man can't can't find these things out on, on their own, on, on its own. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Okay, boom, that's what we need. The, the Spirit of God is what reveals the deep things, according to verse 10. So we want the Holy Ghost to be the teacher. And it says there in verse 13, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. And then there's a semicolon, and he tells us how the Spirit of God teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual and again we've mentioned this so many times throughout this podcast and this is one of the biggest most important rules of bible study but what are spiritual things does that mean i'm comparing christians with christians to get the deep things of god that's certainly not the case but john 6 verse 63 says it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing very similar uh wording of first corinthians 2 so the Man, our, our flesh doesn't, can't get what God wants us to know. It's the spirit that brings things to life. That's what quickeneth means. He says, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So, again, to the person that would say, Dylan, I don't, I don't, there's no words in Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2 that say anything about a gap. Okay, again, it's not a softball. But when you start studying different things out in Scripture and you start comparing Scripture with Scripture, that is, that's where the secret sauce is. Like, you know, okay, Like, I don't know what people think about... I mean, some of y'all listen and come back and listen week by week, and I appreciate that. Some of you probably think we're idiots. But maybe you think, okay, there's been some things that have been said on the podcast that I didn't know. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Well, the secret sauce... I mean, there's a lot of rules of Bible study, but the secret sauce for me and Kyle or anybody that really actually teaches and preaches the Bible is comparing scripture with scripture. You unlock that thing right there, and you can just you can just get you can just start studying this book and start seeing things in this book and it, it just becomes a different world. It really does. And so like when it comes to rules of Bible study, that's one of the most important things, and me and Kyle have talked about this a lot recently, but Really teaching somebody how to study, and maybe we'll get to some of that eventually in this podcast. But we kind of try to give little nuggets here and there, like we just with the First Corinthians two thing. But learning how to study the Bible is so massively important because it's sort of like this: I can tell you what the Bible says, and you say, "Oh, that's awesome." Okay, well, what I what I did there is I just gave you a fish. But really, what's more important is instead of giving a, giving a man a fish, is teaching him how to fish. Well, rules of Bible study is teaching you how to fish then you can say okay this oh, okay and, then, and that's how you, you don't get caught up in heresy and you say no nah, well this is what the bible says and you know, it says this over here and, and, and blah 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 okay so just want you to keep that in mind and dang we're you know we're 20 minutes in and long 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 runway here um but that i just wanted to kind of address that with the the whole thing of in between verse one and verse two people say well i don't see it in there okay well remember what we're going to do is we're going to compare Scripture with Scripture to, to, to find the deep things of God. So, there's a few key phrases. If, you're, if you have a Bible or you just listen to this, whatever, we're in Genesis chapter 1, and, and again, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Um, and then in verse 2, there's a few phrases that we want to we wanna highlight and we want to compare Scripture with Scripture with that stand out. Okay, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, so what we see here is in verse one, God has done some creating, and I believe this is the original creating of, of the first of anything. It's the heaven and the earth. But then we find verse two, and there's there's uh, you know sort of I don't really know exactly what this would look like, but we see that it's without form and void, and there's darkness everywhere. There's waters everywhere, and so certainly doesn't look like what the world in uh, in you know at least outer space looks like today. But so we're going to compare those phrases. And so Kyle, if you want to maybe go to uh, Genesis four twenty three with one hand, and then Job thirty eight thirty with another hand. So the first phrase that we're gonna we're gonna highlight here, because I want to know what's going on with with this whole like not finished earth thing that's what that's what some people would say as well as the earth wasn't you know finished yet god was just beginning to work okay well again the, the so the first phrase i want you to notice is that the earth was without form and void okay and this is where we talk about just comparing scripture with scripture I, we use sword, but you can certainly find others but we're just going to look where that phrase if, if that phrase and, and you know what sometimes you'll search a phrase and it won't be anywhere else in the bible and you're like okay but you know what sometimes it will. And so that phrase "without form and void" shows up, I believe, in only one other place, and that is Jeremiah four twenty three. And so, if you have that big cat, go ahead and read that.
0: Jeremiah? Yeah, oh, I think it's a Genesis. My bad. I may, I
1: may have. There is no telling. I get it. This coffee's got big. a little extra
0: pop. Jeremiah four what? 23? Yeah, four twenty three. Sorry. Twenty three. Jeremiah four twenty three. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. All right. So,
1: same type of thing going on here. Okay, we don't have time to dissect every passage and chunks of, of every cross reference that we're going to mention, but Jeremiah four is actually talking uh, uh, what I would say, what I believe is the earth uh, after the tribulation, like, like, like from the damage and the, the craziness of the tribulation. So, so what do we, what can we take away from that? Well, it's the earth in a um, after a, uh, it's the earth's place after God has judged it. Okay, so what is the tribulation? The tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. It's when God has turned His attention back to the Jew, and He is allowing them to go through these things. He's chastising them essentially. Okay, so the earth is 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 damaged. The earth is is in a, a rough place. Okay, that same phrase shows up in verse two. So I want you to think about that with the the. the the term judgment. Okay, because that's what we find in Jeremiah 4. That's exactly what's going on in Jeremiah 4. Okay, the second phrase I want you to to notice is the face of the deep. Okay, the face of the deep. So, so far what I'm telling you is that verse 2 is is compared to the earth after judgment, post-judgment. Okay, so then we're moving on to the face of the deep. That's a weird phrase. Like, I hadn't used that in the last week to anybody. Like, you know how the face of the deep looks cool on you, or you know, I, I don't. We don't use that's weird. So we cross-reference that 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 exact same phrase shows up in Job thirty-eight thirty. Let's go ahead and read that big
0: guy. Yeah, the waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Okay, so again, that there's some there's some connection here with
1: the deep and these waters. Um, well, interestingly enough. Later on in this verse verse two, we actually see that the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. So Kyle, if you want to actually grab Genesis 7:18, but the face of the waters, okay, same thing. We're just going to compare scripture to scripture and th- because you know why we don't we're not that smart. so we're just trying to let the Bible define the Bible on what this means, not what some professor tells us it means. So the face of the waters only shows up, I believe, only one other time, and it's
0: Genesis 7, 18. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. Okay, so what's going on in Genesis 7? Well, we heard about the ark. Well, that's Noah.
1: It's it's the flood. It's the flood going on in Genesis 7. So, again, we're just letting Scripture define Scripture. And what we've found so far in in verse 2 is, is that, it's, that this being without form and void is compared to a post-judgment state of, Je, of Jeremiah 4 uh, uh, with the tribulation. We see that the face of the deep is connected to waters that are frozen. Uh, and we'll get into more of this, but this is not waters that are frozen necessarily on earth, but this is, this is above, uh, above us. Okay, And then we see that the face of the waters connects us to a flood. In, Gen- in Genesis 7 with, with Noah uh, in, in his ark. Okay, so so what I'm, what I'm, I'm proposing to you, and I, I don't think I'm necessarily just proposing it to you, I think it's based on what we just did comparing Scripture with Scripture, is that at the beginning of creation, you know, uh, verse 1, he, he creates the heaven and the earth. And then in verse 2, again, the earth's in a post-judgment uh, time frame with waters above the earth, and these waters that are involved in all of this are connected with Noah's flood. Okay, so um, that brings us, Kyle, if you want to go to 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. And we're going to read, I think it's like five through seven. Um, so what 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 I'm proposing to you, I believe it's very clear when comparing scripture with scripture, is that there's a judgment that's taking place going into verse two. Now, I'm trying to think about how to say everything without getting ahead of myself and stealing stuff for later and all that, but what would the judgment be? Okay, well, we know, if, you, if you've read your Bible, that before Adam, Satan was Lucifer, and Lucifer uh, was not sinful. He was a cherub. He uh, <laughs> you know, was so beautiful he, he, he was kind of the worship leader, if you will, uh, for the Lord. All those things take place. And what happens to Lucifer? Well, he falls. He falls and a third of his angels fall. So a question that I would have for somebody that's not a gapper, uh, that doesn't believe in this doctrine, and notice I guess I said doctrine, um, is where does that happen in the timeline of, of Scripture? Because Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning... So did that happen before the beginning? Um, You you know, I think you have a hard time placing it. And so what we're proposing to you is that all that took place after verse 1 and before verse 2. So that starts to make sense. And my first kind of main point is that a flood takes place. What we believe is that Satan does what he does, takes a third of the angels with him. That's a huge stinking deal. And essentially is robbing God of glory. And so what does God do? Well, let me ask you this. Why does God send a flood in, in Genesis chapter 7 like we read? Well, he's bringing judgment. So why would we believe that God sent a pre-Adamic flood before Adam in between verse 1 and verse 2? Well, because the, the phrases match up that he did. And it would be to co- to cast judgment upon Lucifer, now Satan, and one third of the angels, which we which we'll show you that it's the sons of God. What they did to him by stealing glory from him. And so the Lord brings judgment.
0: He yeah. he can go ahead. I was gonna read uh, Colossians 1.16. Okay, talking about for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, uh, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him. And then in 1 John 1, 5, it says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Yeah. So so if God creates, everything is created by him and for him and there is no darkness in him at all. Mm-hmm. It is a little weird that we have something here that's without form, void, and darkness. Darkness was upon, fa- yeah, yeah.
1: upon the face yeah. of so it. Absolutely. It doesn't Certain. make sense
0: that that's something God would have.
1: Right, yeah. right, so yeah, that would be a weird starting point, a starting point <coughs> for the Lord who who does who, who is not connected with darkness for as he's starting to create it, it is, it's full of darkness. So again, it just shows you that this is a this is a place of of that, that's coming after judgment, because again, same thing with with Noah's flood, why did he do that? well, because because men were wicked and because I would say because the sons of God uh, came into the daughters of men, Genesis 6. That'll be another episode. Uh, but even then, some of them jokers still got through, and there were still giants after that. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, then just hang around. We'll get there eventually another episode. Okay, so that's what we believe. So, Kyle, if you've got Second Peter 3, this, yeah. is, this shows us this, uh, again, I, I'll keep using the phrase pre-Adamic, because what I'm saying is this stuff that happens before man, our mankind is created. And so this, we believe, is a pre-Adamic flood shown in 2 Peter 3, which happens in between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Yes,
0: yeah, so it's uh, 2 Peter 3, 5. 5 yeah. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word or kept in store reserved into the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. So notice that, I mean, there's a lot there, but notice that it says the world that was, now
1: you're going to have a hard time, you know, convincing me or convincing anybody that's just using some, some, you know, common sense here that after the, the Noahic flood, that it was a completely new world. No, it was the same world. His his Noah's Ark planted itself on Mount Ararat. Like that mountain didn't get created in the middle of the flood. No, it was already there, and so there was a world that was. Now we know that that uh, the flood of Noah did not go into the heavens. It was an earthly thing. But Second Peter says that it was a, a flood that went into the heavens. Okay. So what that, that's what that brings us back to Genesis 1. That brings us to verse 6. I want you to notice that it says, and God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, so in the middle of it, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Okay, so there's there's waters in, uh, with this pre-adamic flood in 2 Peter 3, there's waters on the earth, and there's waters in heaven. Okay, again, Noah's flood did not do that.
0: And by the way, a reference for Noah's flood only being on earth is in Genesis 7, uh, verse 20, 19 to 20. 19 is talking about the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. But in verse 20, it says 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. So the water in yeah. Noah's flood was just 15 cubits above the mountains. Of the mountains,
1: yeah. Which
0: is not through the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. It just doesn't fit to try to to
1: try to try pigeonhole that into being the being Noah's flood. It's not... And so, so in verse 6, God puts the firmament in the midst of the water. So there are waters in heaven and there are waters on the earth, okay? And then verse 7, it says, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Okay, so, so now we have this separation, if you will, but we still see uh, that there are waters... Uh, above the the firmament which would be above the heaven okay so so above where we are above our our world our the earth above uh our universe above our atmosphere (coughs) okay above those things okay and that uh, that those waters above the firmament is actually called the deep now we see that phrase in verse two again. Starting to see all these things kind of unravel. That darkness was upon the face of the deep. So you know what we do? Like we're not going to be able to do it in you know a slow way for you here, but you know how we study out the deep, just like we studied out the other phrases. We look it up in scripture where like where it's at, and it gives us some 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 knowledge of what uh, the deep is. Okay, so. The deep is again the waters above where we're at. It's above the firmament. Okay? And eventually, we 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 read this reference earlier. And Big Cow, if you want to go back there, it's Job 38:30. Yeah. But this is actually the waters above the heavens, this or this actually around God's throne. So God has a throne. We would all acknowledge that. God has a throne in the third heaven. There are waters beneath his throne. Well, eventually. Those waters freeze, and that's what the deep is, uh, as we know
0: it—not
1: as we see it, but you know, as, as we know it from Scripture. And so, go ahead and read Job thirty-eight verse thirty again.
0: The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen.
1: Okay, so the, that same phrase from verse two. Now, the, so the face of the deep is frozen. So it's not just waters; it's not just liquid, but now it's it's solid and it's frozen. Okay. So, how did it go? So, again, there's these waters above the firmament. This is the waters that is where the Lord is now. Okay, around and, and below his throne are these waters. They were, you know, based on what i see from Genesis 1, they were regular waters from this flood that he, caught, that he, he gave for judgment to, uh, upon, you know, the earth and Lucifer and the, and the sons of God, you know, the one-third angels. Okay, but then they freeze. Well, why is it that they freeze? Or how is it that they freeze? Well, I believe. I don't know. I don't know. I have some of the guys we read behind. I don't even know if they say this, but it's just something I have kind of studied. I believe, uh, and maybe Kyle, if he disagrees with something, he could he could say it right here, and that'd be fine, <laughs> we could have a debate right now. Uh, but Kyle, you're, if you're still in Job, if you want to go to Job thirty-seven verse ten, so these waters are above the firmament from this flood. Okay, they're on the earth. They're in the heavens. And he he causes uh, uh uh he puts him he puts this firmament right in the middle of it, boom, so that they're divided, they're not connected. That's why we can't go to the third heaven right now. <clears throat> like you can take a uh, a uh, rocket ship and try to go, and you just ain't gonna get there no matter what you do. Okay, uh, and the reason why is because of the firmament. But so these waters from the flood are, it's around the throne of God, and I'm going to show you how why I know they're around the throne of God here in a minute but they go from, from regular waters to being frozen. We, we know they're frozen because of the face of the deep in Job 38.30 said they were frozen. So how'd they get frozen? Well, what I believe from Job 37.10 and then looking at Genesis 1 is that when God began to restart creation in six literal days from verse uh, 2 on or verse 3 on is that his voice and his breath actually caused the waters around him as he is proclaiming creation with his mouth to freeze. So
0: Kyle, go ahead and read Job 37, verse 10. By the breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. So God's
1: breath causes frost. And when he, when his breath was given, the waters were straightened. Now I want you to think about this, and Kyle, if you want to go to Revelation uh, 4, 6. Yeah. Now, now think about this. When, okay, think about an ocean or, or waters. Like, it's relatively straight, but it's never perfectly straight. Because, like, you know, there could be a rip here, it could be kind of a, a current here, or whatever. It's relatively straight, but it's not perfectly straight. But, when you freeze water, it becomes, a it becomes you know, a, a flat, hard surface. Okay, and like I said, I'm not pulling, you know, grasping for straws here. The verse literally says that his breath get, makes frost. Okay, so what I believe is this, this, uh, the, this uh, the, the deep, okay, after the flood of, of in between verse 1 and verse 2 that we see in 2 Peter 3, this water is around his throne. And it's, this is called the deep. He then goes to, because, because Lucifer and the sons of God did not do what they were supposed to do to bring him glory, they turned on him, they tried to, Lucifer tried to exalt himself, uh, One third of the angels followed him. Okay, he casts judgment. This flood comes. This water is around him. He then begins to speak creation, as we know it. In verse three, he creates. You know, he creates light. He starts dividing that. He eventually gets to, um, you know, all of the regular part of creation with the dry land and all that stuff. When he began to speak, that those waters around his throne became frozen. And that is why Revelation 4, 6 talks about when uh, once we get to the throne of God after the rapture in chapter 3 of Revelation, around God's throne right now, it looks like a sea of glass. So go ahead and read verse 6 there. Revelation 4, 6.
0: And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind Okay, so around his throne now is a sea of glass.
1: Well, what does imagine this big huge body of water that's now frozen, it's all ice. what does that look like? It it looks like 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 crystal. When 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 light, which is what the Lord is, shines upon uh ice, it it, it sort of sparkles. It's bright, it's got this light to it. Okay, and so that essentially is how we get to the place, and we can find in Revelation 4 that there is this sea, which is, by the way, connected to waters, this sea of glass around his throne because it all started back from this pre-Adamic flood that we find in 2 Peter 3, but actually takes place after Genesis 1:1 when Lucifer and his boys turn on the Lord. So, again, Maybe you think a oh, of this is crazy. Well, again, study these, these phrases out for, for, for yourselves. Now, I'll be honest with you, not to kind of revisit the King James stuff, but this is why we made the comments that you can read modern versions and still gain things from them, but you, you're you going to have a hard time studying modern versions because what we've just done with you in this episode is, is take the literal wording and phrases that are shown here and cross-reference them and search them other places in Scripture to give us definitions of what these things are. And so when you change things, even slight words, it gets rid of the ability to do that because they're not going to match up anymore. Like Job 38 it's probably not going to match up with Genesis 1-2 anymore. And so it removes that ability. Okay, so again, in between verse 1 and verse 2, we can see, I believe wholeheartedly, I don't think it's, we're even stretching here, that there's a flood that takes place. Now, this is where I mentioned that I was pr- trying not to get ahead of myself. My second point is why did the flood take place? Well, I already told you. I already told you why it took place. But to kind of to kind of study this out here for a second, <coughs> we've already said he did this as a form of judgment, uh, and specifically, you know, as judgment towards Lucifer and the original sons of God. So, Kyle, if you want to go to Isaiah 14, and I'm going to go to Ezekiel uh, chapter 28. And Kyle, I say, if I say anything along this and uh, you disagree or you have another thought or whatever, you certainly tell me. Um, so he's... So Isaiah 14. 14, yep. I and I'm going to Ezekiel 28. Okay, so if you know your Bible, you know exactly where we're heading. We're heading to the fall of Lucifer. Uh, and again, we're saying this is the reason for this pre-Adamic flood. So in Isaiah 14, go ahead and read verse 12 through 14, big cow. All right, Isaiah
0: 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high.
1: And man, there's so much here. We just don't have time. Uh, There's so much here with certain words and phrases too. But again, when I ask you the question, if you don't believe in the gap, <clears throat> I ask you the question, where are you going to place Lucifer's fall in the midst of Genesis 1, chapter 1? Because verse 1 says, in the beginning. And again, if we're just going to believe the words of God, the beginning is the beginning. And, and read verse, uh, oh, so it says, how art thou fallen from heaven? Well, Again, Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So you're gonna have a hard time putting Lucifer, putting Lucifer's fall before Genesis one one, because in one one that's where he actually creates the the singular heaven, and earth. Okay, but I go there. Not that's just a sidebar. But I go there to, to, for us to see. Of course, obviously, that Lucifer falls, and we know that, and that is a uh the 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 reason why God would even send flood a uh, flood to begin with. Okay, uh, read verse uh, fourteen again, become.
0: I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I'm sorry. Okay, maybe it's verse thirteen. Thirteen. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The throne is there. Really you look. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to just highlight a few things from
1: uh, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. beside the things I've already ha- highlighted, I want you to see, like we just read, that Satan has a throne. Okay. So Isaiah 14 verse 13 says that he wants to exalt it. Okay. He has a throne. Okay, Ezekiel 28 is a parallel passage. And in verse 12, it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him. Okay, we're talk- he's talking to the king of Tyrus here, but this is what's called uh, a dual application. They're talking to one person, but then it quickly uh, turns into really somebody else that the Lord's speaking to here. And you'll see this. This is very simple. It's not hard to see this. But it says, and say unto him, thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13 says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. All right. What I, what, what I know from Ezekiel 28 in these verses is the Lord now is talking to Lucifer. He's talking he's, he, he's talking he's talking to Satan. We're like, well, how do you know that? Okay, because later on. After him telling him thou hast been in Eden, he says every precious stone was thy covering. You telling me that King Tyrus was covered in in stone? No, I go maybe he had a breastplate on. Okay, verse fourteen says thou art the anointed cherub. You telling me King you, you tell me that homie King of Tyrus was an was an anointed cherub? No, no, you know your Bible. This is this is Lucifer here. This is Satan. Okay. So what we can see from verse 13 is he says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, what somebody so, so not only do I want you to see that Lucifer had a throne, we, we know that he falls, but he had a throne before this fall, and he was in Eden before his fall. Well, somebody could say, well, Dylan, maybe it's talking about when he was in Eden as a serpent in Genesis 3. Okay, the problem with that is in verse 13 he says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, thy sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the, uh, good gosh, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the, I'm not reading all these, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub. So the Lord is describing Satan in his pre-fallen state. Because once he fell, he's not that. Once he fell, he's he's not the the anointed cherub. He's not the one drawing glory to the Lord and leading the worship unto the Lord. He's not doing that. He's fallen. And so he's giving his pre-fallen state. And in the midst of him giving his pre-fallen state when he was still Lucifer, he says, thou hast been in Eden. So we can know two things. Satan had a throne. And he was in Eden before Adam. He was in Eden, going back to Genesis 1, has to be before Genesis 1-2. But after Genesis 1-1, because he fell from heaven and the heaven was created in verse 1 of Genesis 1. Okay, and then then thirdly, I want you to to know, know this. Okay, we see he was the anointed cherub. We see that he was, you know, beautiful, that he had a throne. He, he had a big he had a big deal. He had a big place of authority. The problem was he wanted he wanted the words. But he led the sons of God in worship. That was his job. So Kyle, if you want to go to, to Job 38:7. So he has a throne, Satan does, Lucifer at this time. He was in Eden in his pre-fallen state. And his job is to lead the sons of God in worship. So again, we're asking the question, why did this flood happen before Genesis 1-2? Well, because Satan had a job, Lucifer had a job, and it was to bring glory unto the Lord as the cherub that he was, the anointed cherub. And he was to draw the worship and the attention from the sons of God unto the Lord. Because that's what the Lord wants, is he wants glory. Well, what do they do? They turn on that. One-third of the angels follow uh, Satan as he's, as he's cast out of, out of heaven, as he loses his authority in that manner. Uh, and, and that's why the flood comes. So, so Job 38, seven, go ahead with that big cow.
0: Yeah. By the way, in verse four of this Job 38, he's talking about laying the foundations of the earth. So, Mm. so we can see this is, this is before Adam and all that. That's right. Amen. Uh, verse seven, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay. The sons of God, man, they're shouting for joy.
1: They are praising the Lord. They are bringing great glory and attention to the name of God. Okay, and that was Satan's job. So again, I'm repeating myself, but Satan falls. One-third of the angels come with him. Kyle, if you want to go to 2 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to go to to Jude 1.6. Okay, so we don't have time to go through every reference, but the sons of God, we study those out in the Old Testament. We we see in Job 1.6 that when Satan comes before the Lord's throne and that's when God does the whole have, have, have you considered my servant Job thing um, it says that the sons of God come with Satan so these are certainly his boys these are certainly the ones that have followed him in rebellion before, before Adam and Eve uh, in, in that whole Isaiah 14 thing Okay, so what does God eventually do with these sons of God like we're, going to, we're trying to show you all this um, well, they actually mingle with the, the daughters of men in Genesis 6. And again, that, I've made mention of that. That's another episode. But because they did that, they've been cast out, and then they mingle with the daughters of men. God is not for that because they're messing up the gene pool of man. Why would, why would Satan want to do that? Well, because he, he wants to corrupt, corrupt the seed of man. He's always trying to find ways. That's why he, he tries to wipe out the Jews in the book of Esther. There's all kinds of stories. He's always he's always he was always trying to get in the the, the way of the seed of man so that he could prevent a perfect the perfect son of man, the Lord Jesus, from coming and and, and giving his life as a ransom for
0: many. Okay, so 2 Peter 2.4. Go ahead and read that, big guy. 2-4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So those angels that sinned. This, I mean, it's not hard. Those are the ones that followed Satan,
1: okay? And he's he's chained them uh, until this day of judgment. So, well, there's so much that I can't, have, I don't have time to say, but like, so the demons that, that interact with man today, because demonic forces are real, they're not these original sons of God. I would tell you that they are the spirits of the giants of, that the sons of God created with the daughters of men in Genesis 6. Again, another episode. If that doesn't mean anything to you, then just don't worry about it. Because we know that these sons of gods are not the ones that are, that are trying to cause havoc because they're, they're chained. Okay, Jude 1, 6 tells us why they're t- chained. And the angels which kept not their first estate. So they, they went to mingle with the daughters of men. And when I say mingle, they uh G-G. they give them seed. <laughs> okay That's why the, that's why they had giants. Like, I don't know if you ever noticed like I'm si- I'm si- about six foot. I've got three kids and a fourth one on the way. Uh, none of my kids came out like super giants. Like I'm talking like with the potential to be ten foot tall. Maybe you have uh, but I have'. not okay. anyways, weird deal, but verse six and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Kind of the same thing as 2 Peter, like how read. Okay, but again, so why is all that taking place and what is God's deal with those original sons of God and his, his hatred for him? Okay, well, it's because him and, and Lucifer, them and Lucifer, they completely left what their purpose of creation was to begin with. And so again, That's why God cast judgment upon upon the earth. That's why God sent a flood. That's why he did these things because we know from Genesis 7 the same way, that was a way that God cast judgment. It's very simple. Okay. Now I want to kind of narrow this down as we close to a third point, which is going to be kind of a life application, devotional application thing. So God's original plan was that he He created Lucifer. Lucifer's a created being. Satan's a created being. He creates him. He creates these original, son, these original sons of God. Why does he do that? Because he, he wants them to bring him glory. Like God wanted fellowship and wants glory. And we saw from Job 38.7 that they, they were doing that at one time. The sons of God were shouting with joy. Lucifer was the anointed cherub. He was beautiful. He reflected the light of the Lord and brought glory to his name. They leave that. So, what does the Lord do? Well, eventually in Genesis 1 2, the Spirit of God begins to move upon these waters, and he begins what we know as the six day literal creation. And he finalizes that with creating man, as you and I know today, which was Adam. And then, of course, Eve comes down the road. Well, what was Adam's purpose? It's funny that Lucifer's purpose was to glorify the Lord, and we know that he, had, that he was in Eden before Adam based on those references we gave. Well, it just so happens that the Lord puts Adam in Eden. And Adam's job is to fellowship with the Lord. And Adam's job is to, to walk with the Lord and to bring glory to the Lord. And he gives them some, some things to obey and, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> there in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 1. But that's Adam's calling. And Kyle, if you want to go to uh, to Luke 3.38. Luke 3.38. So, so in other words, God had this plan with Lucifer and the sons of God. Well, you know what? It didn't, it didn't turn out. Now, God obviously knew this was going to happen. But it they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So, God... Creates Adam, creates man, different than the, the sons of God and Lucifer, but he creates man. The problem is, and and we know that, well, what's interesting about this is those original sons of God that don't do what they're supposed to do, he actually gave Adam that very same title, son of God. So go ahead and read Luke
0: 3, uh, 38, big cap. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Adam's the son of God.
1: He's given the, the same title. And by the way, Christ is called the second Adam. You study that out for, for what you will. But Adam's given the title son of God, the same title that, that those angels that left their first estate and that rebelled against the Lord and followed Lucifer and followed Satan. He gave them the very same title because he wanted what those sons of God were supposed to do, and they didn't do. And so Adam's purpose, it, again, is to glorify the Lord. is to fellowship with him. Well, the problem is we know from Genesis chapter 3, what does Adam do? Well, he falls. Him and Eve, they, they, they sin. And once they sinned, the Lord says that they would die in the same day. We know he didn't die physically, but we know that he died spiritually. We have other episodes about that. He dies spiritually. And so every man that's been born since Adam, which is everybody... Every man that's been born since Adam is born with a dead spirit. We are still body, soul, spirit. The problem is our spirit's dead. And so after Adam dies, instead of reproducing sons of God, which is what the Lord wanted, so that they could glorify him, because Adam was given the title as those, old, as those pre-flood angels, the son of God, because Adam's fallen, once we he has he has kids. We see in Genesis chapter five verse three, and it says, "And Adam lived in hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness." Okay, so Adam was created in the image of God, body, soul, spirit, an alive spirit had the image of God, but after he fell, that spirit died, and then he he begat a son in his own likeness after his image lowercase h, not the Lord's, but Adam's image, and called his name Seth. So again, the sons of God before Adam, they, they dropped the ball. Adam is given this opportunity. He's given this title son of God. He wants him to bring glory and to reproduce other sons of God so that the Lord may receive the glory that's due his name. But he falls. And now when he has physical kids, he's given them his broken image. Well, you you fast forward. Of course, we know we have a broken image, but you, if you know your Bible in the New Testament, we can be quickened when we receive Christ. Ephesians chapter one: the Spirit of God moves inside of somebody that gets saved, and He quickens them, and our spirit becomes alive. We are born again. It's a spiritual birth because our spirit was dead and it's now alive. Well, it's just interesting that in John one twelve, John one uh, twelve. Notice the phrase, and you probably, you know this, but notice the phrase that God gives to those that get saved. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. So you know what, uh, what opportunity we have after getting saved we have, we have the opportunity to give our life and to partake in God's original plan. It's always been the same plan. And that is that sons of God would reproduce sons of God and bring glory to his name. So before Adam, <clears throat> before Genesis 1-2, we know they fell. Man, shoot in the foot. Things did not go the way that, that God's will for them Was to go? He creates Adam. He has the title son of God. He falls. Because of that falling, he no longer has the ability to reproduce sons of God. Because what did God tell Adam in Genesis 1.26? He said, I can't believe I didn't even mention that verse in the whole, this thing, the gap. You got verse 26 for it, Big Kyle?
0: Of which one? Uh, Uh, Genesis 1.26. Yeah. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth.
1: And read verse uh, 28, I think it is, tells them to replenish.
0: 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And subdue so it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Okay, and so, again, another sidebar,
1: I can't believe I forgot, verse 28, to prove the gap. But God tells Adam, his commission is to replenish the earth. The word replenish literally means to plenish again.
0: Which is the same thing he told Noah
1: wiping right. to it out with that flood. Right. <laughs> he told Noah the same thing. And why would he tell Noah that? That's because there were people there and they're gone. There were things there and they're gone. And before Adam and Eve, there were there were things there. And they were it was the sons of God and it was Lucifer. And it was these created beings that were to reflect and bring glory to the Lord.
0: And so, man, a lot of information in all of this. I was, I was just thinking about First Peter five eight, where it says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour." Well, I was, why why does Satan hate us so much? Why does he wanna? Why is he seeking out to devour us? Yep. Well, because in Genesis one twenty six. He made man and gave him dominion over what was Satan's, what right. was Lucifer's. Yeah, Satan's. Right. when Satan was cast out
1: and cast down from heaven, the same heaven that was created in verse 1 of Genesis 1, he lost authority. Now, he, he does have some authority here as far as the principalities and all those things, the power of the air, <clears throat> but he lost really essentially being underneath the Godhead, You know, this kind of the second in command, if you will. He lost that and he had a vital part of God's plan for, for all of the world. And he ruined that by turning on the Lord, seeking his own glory, trying to exalt his throne, all of those things. And so again, you fast forward to Adam, Adam, now his commission was to, to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. And what title was Adam given? It was the son of God. God wanted him to, to multiply and replenish the earth with sons of God. They would be different than the previous sons of God, but nonetheless, sons of God that could bring glory and honor to the name of the Lord. Well, of course, Adam falls like we said, but now we have in the New Testament because of the blood of Christ, because of Christ's atoning work, we can have our spirit quickened. Man can be born again and be and, and be restored with God's image in them. And then they can then tell other people, like John 1.12 says, how they can receive Christ and be given the power to become the sons of God. So our mission is the same as Adam's, except for it's not physical. He was telling Adam, hey, physically go reproduce sons of God because you're the son of God. Well, we don't become a New Testament part of the sons of God until we get saved. But once we get saved, man, you know what our job is to do? is to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth with sons of God. People that have come to know the Lord Jesus and will walk with him and will fellowship with him and that will know him and bring glory to his name. Because that's, that's always been God's original plan. And even in the midst of this, you can see where all these puzzle pieces fit in. And how, again, you got to place where all this happened with the, those old sons of God and Lucifer. you got to place it somewhere. You can't just say it didn't happen. We It's in the Scripture. We know it happened. You wouldn't even deny it happened if you believed the Bible. So where does that happen in, in the timeline of, of history in the Bible? Again, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And if we're just comparing Scripture to Scripture like we do, that same word heaven shows up as the place that Satan is cast out of in Isaiah 14. It's hard to, it's hard to cast somebody out of something that hadn't been created yet if you're gonna place his fall, Lucifer's fall before Genesis 1-1. Because as a kid, if I'm honest, I wouldn't have known how to describe it. And I believed that Lucifer fell and I knew all those things, I was raised in church, but I wouldn't have known where that happened. I would have probably said, yeah, it happened before Genesis. Well, just when you start studying out these words and comparing scripture to scripture, it can't happen before Genesis, but it does happen at the beginning of Genesis after verse one and, uh, and before verse two. So I don't know. I hope that made sense to you. There's a lot of information. I, I really throughout some of this was thinking this could be a two-parter. Um, but I, I feel like we've, we've covered a good bit of it, if I'm honest. Uh, and tried to bring some application to it because it is applicable to us. That's why the deep things shouldn't be avoided because they actually they always tie back into devotional truths. And uh, I don't know for sure what we'll do next week, but with us talking about the sons of God, it may, we've kind of already described it, but it may kind of lead us in eventually, if not next week soon, um, to the Genesis 6 thing where many people will say that those sons of God that come into the daughters of men are you know, like Schofield was known for saying it was the godly line of Seth. That's just private interpretation. You can't find that by comparing Scripture to Scripture for nothing. That was such a shot in the dark. But when you compare Scripture to Scripture, which is what we just seek to do, you find that throughout the book of Job and other references in the Old Testament, the sons of God were those that fell with Satan. Mm -hmm. And so it's not the gap theory the gap fact. It
0: is a fact.
1: It is a fact.
0: I actually was going to read, before we, I know we're over an hour. Yeah, you good uh, go But Paul in Second Corinthians 4, 6, I was looking at this the other day. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Well, when did that happen? Back in Genesis chapter 1. God mm-hmm. said, let there be light. Hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul is comparing yeah. Genesis to salvation. Right. So I think in these first three verses, you, you can, if if there is a gap, right, mm-hmm. if, if this thing is, and I think we get, gave enough scripture today to to prove that that it, it did happen, uh, but if that is here, then then I think you see a picture of salvation right here in the first four verses of your Bible. Uh, but Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created, so just like when man was put in the garden, it's perfect. God created the heaven and the earth. Mm-hmm the one two and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Well darkness, sin. Man was perfect, but then man sinned, ate the fruit, whatever. Now now man is in darkness. Paul talks about it all the time. Um and then you get the ver the second part of verse two. Uh and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Well, how how do how does someone get out of darkness? How does a lost person get out of that darkness? Well the spirit of God has to move. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then verse three, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And it divided the light from the darkness. And God said, so once that spirit of God moves, once somebody accepts Christ, well, now they're, they're, they're divided. The the light separated them from that darkness. So I think right there in the first three verses, you, you see a picture of salvation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great.
0: <clears throat> yeah.
1: And, and, and like, like I said, this is a lot here. I mean, we could <clears throat> break this down into more than one week. Um, there's just a lot here. Um, but I think we've at least done an ho- okay job at kind of condensing it and showing you that, there's, that you got to place that somewhere and there's something to this. And by the way, there's other places in Scripture where God... like, There's times in like the book of Isaiah where a semicolon rep- uh, separates the beginning of a verse and the, and the second half of the verse... And they're, they're 2,000 years apart. Yeah. Like Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a son is given and a child is born. Okay, and there's some punctuation there. And then it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Well, Christ was born in a manger. But he did not have the government on his shoulders in, the, in his first coming. That's not till his second coming. And so that's why the, the, the reality of rightly dividing the word of truth is so much more than just dispensations. It's, it's literally sometimes dividing between passages of Scripture. Um, and so, like I said, I hope we've made the, a lot of this clear and at least got you. If you're curious about this, then hopefully it'll drive you to the book and, and study and, and just getting in that for yourself. And if you have any questions, as always, you're more than welcome to email us. And maybe this would turn in a certain question if it's got you know some merit to it or whatever. Like it, maybe it would spawn uh, another episode, or we could include it in a question and answers type episode down the road. Um, but if you have a question, email us, message us on uh, you know Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter or the X whatever they call it these days, um, and, uh, and we can we can we'll get to that. Um, so I hope uh, you know. We, we want you to understand and we want you we want this to drive you to the Word
0: of God yeah, so. by the way Revelation 21 when the new heaven and the earth come down it says no there will be no more seed no more seed there's no more division amen 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 <laughs> alright thanks for tuning in